<gasps> what you know about bits? What you what you know about bits? What you know about bits? What you what you know? I said my bits be popping. My bits be cool. All the boys be stopping. They chase me after school. <laughs> what you know about bits? Hi everybody! <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of R Two Sets. We take a three-week sabbatical and... Long time, no bits. <laughs> you just put together a little rhyme or rap or... You don't jingle know the, jangle? the lip gloss song? Oh, that's a thing? Oh, that you was just... You don't remember the lip gloss song? Boo, boo. What you know about me? What you, what you know? Boo, boo. You don't know that? No. Why would <gasps> I have... Uh, oh, know about that one. Would anybody like a, a fiancé? I have one for sale. You don't know the lip gloss song? Get out. No, I don't. It's... Oh, good day, sir. Well, this has been a great podcast, everybody. <laughs> uh, we'll see you in another three weeks <laughs> after Ben just just mm. becomes not an uncultured swine. And I don't know. The entirety of the lip gloss. Well, I will YouTube it later. Oh, man. Well, my day's ruined. Well, we should at least talk about some bits. Mm-hmm. Okay, so where did we last leave off, Ben? Do you remember? Of course. We were, remember? we were going through a book. Going through a book. What was the book called? I was the one who recommended you read this book. I was thinking after Bitcoin. Yeah. 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 yeah you've been reading, right? Yeah, I have. And today we're going to talk about the next two chapters that I have read. Chapters three and four are what we are going to be discussing today. Good. Let's go. Let's do this. Uh, oh, sure. What's my role? Am I just uh, a gentle listener? <laughs> um, sure, I guess. All it's right. a discussion all about uh, the bits that I'm learning in this book. Oops, 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 oops. Sorry, I'm trying to... I have my this book on a Kindle because... Uh, reasons. Uh, I'm a Kindle person. Yeah, Ben likes Kindles more than real books, but he actually. No, I wouldn't say that about you. I'd say you like both real books because you buy a lot of books. There's <laughs> a lot of books in our house that are all yours about a various amount of things that you are interested in or learning about. Ben I, loves to learn. Ben loves to read, and most of the time it's out of Kindle, but mm-hmm. quite a few times it's also in IRL. Yeah, it took me a while to switch from regular books to Kindle. And then the fact that I can have many books whenever I take a trip is pretty sweet. And having to move Mm -hmm. without Mm. big boxes of books is Mm -hmm. pretty great. Books be, um, books be heavy, yo. And ever since I got that paper white where it's like a really nice mm-hmm. reading environment. Oh, um, you're so fancy, Ben. No, it's good. I don't know. Yeah, so. But I agree. Unlike, unlike I, uh, Nicole reads and takes copious notes. I just, I, I try to power read, which I don't think I retain as much as I should. Well, this is, so this is um, a me problem. Well, not a problem. This is part of my personality. Okay, we all know I'm a teacher. Yes. I hope so. It's written in many of the bios for our podcast. Okay, well, good, because I definitely am. (laughs) And one of the things about me being a teacher is that if I don't write stuff down, I will not remember it whatsoever because Mm. my brain is going a mile a minute every day and trying to keep over 150 children alive. (laughs) So that's a lot of thinking. So anytime I read, especially if it's something like this book where it's like I'm trying, I'm getting... I'm getting taught. I'm getting schooled something. Mm. If it's like a happy-go-lucky, I'm in a fairy universe. and That's true. Yeah. Like, I Fic- can... Fiction yeah. versus nonfiction for you. I'll rip through that book, no problem. You you give me a, a series of fortunate events by Lemony Snicket, I'll read that book in a day. No right. problem. Right, Don't so got to take no notes. Today's podcast has been about my lack of knowledge of some sort of glossy lipstick mm. and how we read books. Boom, boom. What do you know about books? It's such a good song, Ben. I just want you to enjoy. I want you to enjoy the finer things in life. I will. I promise to That's Google it tonight. That's my dream for you. I promise to Google it tonight. Okay. All right, where are we at? What's this chapter? So we're talking about chapters three and four. Chapter three is all about inflation. Oh, yeah. The one that's always like difficult to... Easily explain, I guess. Inflation is like the cloak and dagger. It's the spooky. Not as spooky as our first episode is during spooky season, but still pretty spooky because it's it's a mystery. Don't look behind this curtain. Inflation. Ah! Back to the Wizard of Oz. Did I scare you? 
Oh, I'm darn. Yes. Oh. Maybe? Maybe a little bit later I can sneak an inflation in there oh. and you'll just get spooked right out of your pants. <laughs> right out of your lip gloss. Okay. You ready for chapter three? I don't think so. Uh, I don't either. Uh, okay. So we the basic part of this uh, explanation of inflation as they go through this story um, is just like the value of money decreases means that the supply of money increases. Yeah. So the value of money will decrease as the supply of money increases. And that is kind of the basic of inflation. Pretty much. The value of your dollar buys less stuff. Yes. The the value of your money. So what your money is really worth, like you're saying, to purchase things is decreased by how much money is being made. So if, if, if uh, the government or other places are like, hey, y'all, we're going to print so much money, stacks on stacks on stacks. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, cool, that sounds like a good thing. But little do they know that by them doing that and pumping more money out, it makes your dollar virtually worthless. Yeah, that's weird because it does make you feel richer. Yeah, because you're like, oh, God, I have so much money now. There's more money coming mm-hmm. in, but what happens is the price of things mm-hmm. goes up at the same time. And it's interesting because one thing I like about this book is that they break things down and they don't, nobody gets to be put on a a pedestal here uh, except for the Lord because this book's all about taking you to church with your money in a good way. So um, they talk about how like this, this part of inflation as they dissect it is really money debasement. Like Mm. by having inflation, we're ruining our money system kind of, we're debasing our money and and in turn, our government essentially is, even though it's not called this because counterfeiting is illegal, are basically counterfeiting in a way. Like counterfeiting that we have in in our understanding is um, counterfeiting by the people. It's you're printing money, you're using it in a bad way. Like the people we talked about in the last chapter where it's like, we're going to mix this metal to make it look like the silver coins mm-hmm. or we're going to bend this and we're going to whatever. And we're cheapening it and ruining it and making it less valuable, but then in turn we can add more of it or whatever. Um, so when the people do that, we're like, oh no. It's totally illegal. Shocking odds. No bad. one else can create my money. And then the government does and we're like, it's a stimulus. We're going to win the war. Yeah. The government's printing more money. Yeah, it's, it's such a big point to, to, to look at all that. It really is. It's such an interesting piece of the whole puzzle. Yeah, and it's it's funny. I wrote a quote that they wrote that they had in my notebook in my notes while I was reading. Uh, I wrote a part where they said government turns counterfeiting into terms of like the ends it wants to achieve. Mm-hmm. Right. So like if we like right now, for example, if we are in an economic crisis, we're gonna print more money because then in the end it achieves that the government. It makes more money, <laughs> becomes richer. Comes out of nowhere. Yep. Um, so I thought that was interesting. How that's kind of how they started the um, chapter off was with like, "Hey, you want to know what inflation really is? Illegal, <laughs> but not really because the government doesn't anything. The government doesn't like this isn't illegal. It's just sneaky." Yeah, I was find it funny too because it's like in a capitalistic world, right? Or a free and open market. Anyone should be able to create anything. And if they do it at a lower price with more customer interest, you know, that should win over. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, the only thing that we can't do that with is the dollar. Even if someone could go and print it for cheaper than the government possibly could, they still won't allow it. So how how are we in a free capitalistic society right now if that's like the root? Yeah, it's sneaky, sneaky. Mm-hmm. It's no good in my opinion because, and I think that's why I find Bitcoin more alluring alluring that's not a word alluring uh because the honest notes uh, the only honest thing that's note. getting created is something created out of honesty that is backed by facts aka the code this is just some some bunch of you know honestly let's be honest a bunch of like rich white people who are like you all know it'd be great if we could be richer let's make that happen bring out the money printer yeah. gladys and then they hand it to their friends yeah, and then they or they hand it to the poor, saying, "Here, we're helping you. See, see, we're helping." Not. Yeah, they barely hand any to the poor. Do not. They they hand it to their friends. And yeah. Inflation hasn't hit yet. Yeah. So they just get a ton more money. They get to go buy stuff, which starts causing inflation. Because then they're like, "Look, we're helping the economy." No, you're not. Yeah, it's called the Cantillon effect. 
It's fun when we Contillion effect. Yeah, it talks about the person closest to the fresh money will be richer than the people down further, trickle-down uh, effects, because wow. inflation hasn't hit them yet. Mm-hmm. But as they start buying assets, a little more inflation for the group below. And then as they buy assets below, the inflation kicks in a little more. And by the time it gets to the people at the bottom of the barrel, inflation is kicked into the max amount. And, and then so, they can't buy groceries. And their value. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh. America. Anyway, okay, so yeah. That's it's bad. It's all money debasement, really. It's all ruining the value of money. It's yeah. all it's ruining the money system. This process. I always struggle with the word debasement just because I don't know why, but I'm just always think it's in debasement. No. Like where's the where's the pop, mom? It's in debasement. You're debasing it. You're making it bad. <laughs> I know, but the word just gets me, but you're right. Yeah. So they talked about um debasement. Uh, not your basement, the basement. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, they keep talking about that and they keep kind of pulling through parts of history where this has happened. Um, one thing they talked about was the fall of Rome or the Roman Empire. So Rome eventually fell because it ruined its money system so much uh, by making too much money and diluting uh the money in a way that uh, people lost faith in it and then it lost a value. So government who expand money supply are doing so to um, unfairly benefit one group over another, which you kind of talked about with that cotillion effect uh, situation. And so they're arguing that if you dilute the money, uh, it loses faith and value. So if you dilute the money by making so much of it becomes essentially worthless, then people lose faith in that money system and they don't want to use it. And then it's, done for it's toast it's bad that's essentially why rome fell they will find yeah people will find they started making either it will not gold but they started making more of their money uh whatever they were using and eventually like the people who had it gold and silver yeah the people who had it uh either weren't it wasn't like pure though they were making versions of it it was started at like 6.14 ounce silver or something yeah and then they would start making it thinner and thinner the yep. amount mm-hmm. like every 100 years or something and mm-hmm. then they then at a point it turned into nickel or bronze covered mm-hmm. in a coat of silver or gold and that was so light that that would fleck off yes. in like a month yeah and that's how the base it became yep so they talked about all of this uh i guess like ruining of the monies and then they went on to also talk about a hidden tax and i thought this was interesting because i was like what do you mean but then i was like well duh that makes sense because like think about like our our consume consumer taxes that we like you can't go to the store and say hey i would like to buy that coca-cola and they're like that coca-cola is two oh nine and you're like cool i exactly have two oh nine and then they're like "Mm, just kidding when you check out it's gonna be thirty dollars because it's eight, 80 cents of taxes on top of your whatever. So it, hidden taxes actually shouldn't be surprising because I feel like it's everywhere. It's it's a lot of people are shocked by that thinking, right? But how it changes too. And that has to do with inflation. Inflation is the hidden tax. Yes. Meaning like if I, a sugar tax people have to vote on, mm-hmm. right? In, in the Chicagoland area, there was a tax on... Soft. Uh, no, I think so recently, like in that, but also like a changing in the tax brackets. Yeah. Um, what they called the fair tax. Yep. And people voted on it and said no to it. Mm-hmm. Taxes people recognize and have influence over. Inflation is just a couple people deciding what inflation should be and how much we should should, should print. And it's but it isn't a hidden tax in itself. It's a hidden tax because then you're, nobody's voting on it. No, yeah, no one has any say, and you don't realize we've been ingrained to believe that inflation is important. Yes, like we as a society are like, cool, I buy That's a house. Healthy for our our economy. It's great for people who have enough money to own assets. Right. But if you don't own assets and you just have enough savings, you're mm-hmm. losing every year. Well, it's bad for the cost of living. Because if you have inflation and then you have these hidden taxes, you can't afford the things you used to be able to afford. Mm-hmm. Um. And so they talked about that, that inflation is a hidden tax um, and talked about, I mean, going back to the Revolutionary War, taxation without representation. Like yeah. like you said, people are not, the, the people who this is affecting in society are not saying, yes, I agree to being taxed X amount of dollars for bread or mm-hmm. whatever it might be. Um, and a lot of the time, like you're saying, this taxation will 
make monetary expansion. Like we're, we're meant to believe that this is going to expand our money and make it better or better our economy. But really it's, it's essentially theft by the government from the community. Yeah, it totally is. Yeah, by, you, sorry, by adding this hidden tax or by essentially inflation. Inflation that being a hidden tax, meaning yes, you, we are, we believe that inflation is good even though everything in technology is actually deflationary in itself. Uh-huh. And so we're caught in this little rabbit hole where we're um, basically self-reinforcing, having to print more and more money because the things that we're creating actually cost less, which is a great thing. Yeah. That's what's so cool. Bitcoin is not, I think you'll probably talk about this, so I won't go too far. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we believe that inflation's good, but inflation is really just stealing value from us. Mm-hmm. Unless you own assets being houses, uh, classic cars, art, like yep. all rich people have all this stuff rich people and uh i hate labeling stuff but people of wealth yeah have these type of things well they have the access and resources to own those things uh-huh. and they in- also have the social stand the social stature and well that's just a whole other systemic totally. type thing but we could dive into it go on and what's crazy is they're not you're, they're not actually like at the end of the day it's privilege the house isn't they didn't make money on the house. It basically just held its value yes. because assets in, increased due to inflation. Mm-hmm. So a 500,000 house today bought you uh, the same exact house, but at 250 grand before, right? So it's val- they're basically it's a store of value is what they're doing with that. Mm-hmm. It's not actually an investment vehicle as we think. Yes, it's it's wild to think that like, I don't know. It's and this has happens a lot during this book too. But like something we say something is worth something just because we agree, for some for some way, shape, or form, a society says like yes, that's how much that's worth. That's open market. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That is good. And mm-hmm. without manipulated numbers, it works perfectly. Right. Without the government saying like no, 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 it has to be like this. Yeah. What, yeah. I mean, and that's something that they do with taxes too a lot. Think about like your income tax. It's insane i prefer not to oh yeah i don't want to oh it's around the corner it's upon us tis the season anyway so tax bad uh taxation is fine well taxation without representation there we go bad yeah right taxes that you do not have a say in bad Mm -hmm. theft not good um (laughs) so they go on to talk about this hidden taxes and um this monetary expansion also they talk about monetary expansion with um the discussion of debts and loans. So banks, I mean, we talked about this a little bit before when we've tried to discuss inflation, but banks essentially issue debt out of nothing, right? They they give you a loan. Mm -hmm. They issue this debt. You're now, I mean, essentially when you have a loan, you're in debt, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. You're in debt to pay off this loan, however much it might be. So banks issue debt out out of nothing because we've already talked about central banks and how they make money out of no money mm-hmm. <laughs> out of this like uh i'm giving you know like my hundred thousand dollars then being issued out to a bunch of other people who also need all this other money Just and it's not jokes on a keypad yeah exactly um so i found a really cool example of this like this they call this like this debt ceiling um, so money expanding so expanding your money supply so it says for example if the u.s government takes in Two trillion in tax revenue, but has a budget of two point five trillion. The shortfall or the deficit is funded by the central bank of the U.S., the Fed. So the Fed gives a five hundred billion dollar loan to the U.S. government by buying its treasury bonds. So where did that five hundred billion dollars that got loaned to the government come from? Like, does the Fed have depositors with that kind of money willing to lend the government? It does not. That comes out of thin air. It, yeah, exactly. They're like, we have this. Money is essentially printed on trees as much as or grows yeah. on trees, right? Right. Or or honestly, at this point, like, it is so much with, like, debt and loans that it's a, it doesn't even exist. We're just saying, like, we have this ledger. We have this thing that we're saying, like, we have no proof of this being here. But the fact that it's needed, we are making it up. Yeah. And then, in turn, you need to give it back. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy. And then, so it leads to this this idea of, like, a debt ceiling. So the amount of money the central bank lends to the Fed and how much printed money actually exists. And so much of that is so out of whack and out of balance that it's kind of like, it's 
I don't even, it's like mind numbing. It's like, what, what is, and then it's like, to, in my mind, I'm like, what, how, what's the point of money anyway? If it doesn't even, it's not even real. You could just make it up. Very true. I'm, yeah, the debt, the deficit is, is pretty important, uh, important to learn. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty interesting and it just reinforces that our government is built on a throne of lies. Well, don't worry. I mean, we spent three trillion or something this year for all the, Ugh. Three to three to six, and there's another one point nine trillion coming. Ugh. And then they had they had the audacity to be like, "Oh, you you need a stimulus check? How six hundred dollars? Yeah, go away." Oh yeah, yeah, I don't even understand. Um. Anyway, <clears throat> so monetary expansion, um has been represented throughout time in history in a lot of different ways uh, through how much money we have been printing, how much money we've been making, how much money we've been lending, owning, uh, how much money we've been indebted for, all that stuff. So um, there's an example I wrote down of the M2 money stock, and I don't remember what I was writing about that. There's different ways. It's there's M one, there's M two, there might even be M three and M four. Well, I wrote down M two money stock, and they had different examples historically on like January. So like the M two money stock January nineteen fifty nine equaled two hundred eighty seven point seven billion doll hairs, uh, USD, and then in July of twenty twenty, so this past July, uh, you want to know how much it is now? Yes. 18.1 trillion. Yeah, it's and it's higher than that. Yeah, and now it's yeah, way now higher. That they printed more. So that's like a 6200% increase over just 61.5 years. Is that really the, the number? Which is 7% increase a year. Yeah. So that's like the scale of monetary expansion now. And that in turn equals monetary debasement because now we have trillions and trillions of what used to be billions and billions, but it's worthless. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's, and it's basically M2 is the amount of money that's in circulation. Yeah. Right. I think it includes like debt and some other vehicles. Yeah. Including cash. Like if we tried to, if we tried to bring, if we tried to go to the bank and get all of our cash out in America. No way, Jose. No, nah, what's called a bank run. Cause they don't, they don't yeah. literally have enough. Printed, and that's actually what happened with gold years ago. We talked about that in chapter yeah. two. Oh, did it's, we? Okay, yeah, good. we talked about it in chapter two when it's it's bankruptcy for the bank. Actually, like the bank would be bankrupt because they wouldn't have the actual money there to provide for everybody who is saying, "Give me my money dollars." Yeah, they'd be like, "Oh, well, we made up this money dollars. What do you mean?" Yeah, it's funny. And funny, you said basically seven percent, right? Yearly. A year, yeah. Which which is what they probably call CAGR, yep. which is compound annual growth rate. So if it's if you look at it and they're adding, and it's more than that now, right? I think it's up to like twenty percent or fifteen percent a year. I believe it. What it will be with the additional stimulus, mm-hmm. um, they want you to believe that what's called CPI, which is the Consumer Price Index. Is it talking about that? I just have that written down on uh, page thirty. I made a circle in the star. We'll go, we'll talk okay, about we'll that. talk about that then because they call that two point two percent or lower. Yeah, um, consumer price index. Which so, is what they consider inflation. Yes, because so the reason why we talk about inflation with monetary expansion is because when we have monetary expansion, all the prices go up. Yeah. The cost of things cost more. Yeah. Yes. As we expand how much money we have in mm-hmm. circulation. Supply and demand yep. basically so with your money. Price inflation in turn is because of inflation. Yeah, that's what they try to relate it to. Totally. And that's where the CPI comes in, my friend. So CPI, like you said, is consumer price index. So um, they had a cool little graph of illustrating how far the U.S. dollar has declined in its purchasing power um, for how many goods and services a dollar could purchase, like from different times, um, since it was created, since the Federal Reserve was created in 1913. It's just wild how like how much one dollar could do what in 1913. Um, versus now is actually probably sad. I feel like you would probably you would probably be really sad at like it's like nothing. I've now. I've mentioned it. But like twenty thirteen it's like a dollar is like what? <laughs> Maybe three cents. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For what it's actually worth. From when it was yes. From totally. when it was created. Yeah. So um consumer price index index CPI uh is it's le- it lessens with monetary expansion. So the manipulation of the CPI 
um, manipulating consumer price index. Um, there's something that I read called hedonic quality adjustment. Wow, no clue. Probably, uh, probably the a, way in which they adjust yep. the numbers of the CPI. Oh man, you are so smart. That's true. Yeah, it's a method by which the CPI gets adjusted downward. Yeah. Um, so if they wrote an example, like if jeans increase in price by 20%, the hedonic quality adjustment can say that the quality of the jeans increased by 18%, 18% so, so and only count 2%. that as a 2% increase of like the price, <laughs> right? Yeah. So this is why the CPI magically becomes like this, oh, it's only one to 3% year after year. Even when the prices are increasing much, much more in reality, they're like, oh, see, it's not that bad. It's only, it's only a Because no one could admit that it's actually more than 2%. No, because then people would, would be lose their minds. Yeah. Because then they would be like, what do you mean I got to pay blah, blah, blah for yep. my jeans? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I'm not wearing pants anymore. Screw you, America. It probably also justifies why companies only have to increase people's salaries by like two to three percent every year which well, is like the average raise exactly well and honestly that's something that's really interesting too is i'm glad that you bring that up because when we have inflation essentially we also have this you think back to the chapters we talked about of time is money right because your time that you are using to make that money is being taken from you yeah They're, i mean you're you are a a theft of time if you are working, basically, especially like corporate, anything, anything that you have a job where you are getting money, um, your time's getting taken away. Yeah. How much nicer would it be the time that you spend working when you're younger mm-hmm. is actually worth more later in life Yeah. than the time that you work when you're younger is actually worth less because your money's worth less later. Well, and that's what they're saying mm-hmm. with inflation. Inflation, again, is like, obviously it's theft by the government from the people because of how it debases the money, but it's also a theft of human time. It's a theft of human work and then essentially time. Yeah. Um, There's a whole other book that talks pretty much about this we should read. It's bad. It's sad. And then they they started to kind of talk a little bit uh, towards the end of the chapter about hyperinflation, and that's where you get to, to like, Rome status of just, like, societal collapse. You have... (laughs) basically just bastardizes your money to a point where it's just like nobody has faith in that monetary system anymore the money doesn't mean anything the it's it's impossible to live in it's happened it's even happened recently it happened in i think venezuela yeah where they were going to get bread with a wheelbarrow yeah of their biggest uh um, i don't know their biggest denominated currency in cash Mm-hmm. Like well, for us, it'd be like a hundred dollar bill. Yeah, and it's it's crazy because like as this money gets, I guess, manipulated. Also, people get manipulated. Like, like you said before, when we have this inflation and we have all this stuff happening, we kind of are incentivized to consume. That's totally you're totally right, and that's like, what the GDP is, right? Yeah. Gross domestic product, which is basically they believe that the more stuff that people are buying, the better the economy is, mm-hmm. right? Because the more stuff that people are buying, the more jobs there probably are because the more products that need to be made for these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right on. Um, and then in, ten, in turn, we're, we're encouraged to consume, which means we're not being encouraged to save. save. Right. Yeah. And when you're not, when you're dis- disincentivizing, disincentivizing, uh-huh. let's say when you don't incentivize something. I think, I think, People say it. Disincentivized. Yeah, I think it's the same word, but some people just add the extra emphasis. I speak real good. Anyway, uh-huh. uh, when you're not being incentivized to save, uh, the debt and leverage levels like in economy will rise too far, and then the economy becomes more fragile because... Yeah, that's then, debt cycles. Yeah, you have debt cycles, and that goes back to the debt ceiling of how much... Ray, they have to lend versus how much they have to, yeah. Ray Dalio talks about the debt cycles and how there's small ones and large ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the hedge, he's a well, uh, runs a company with like the biggest fund, mm-hmm. uh, Bridgewater, and he talks about how right now we might be at the end of a large scale debt cycle instead of a small one. Mm-hmm. But you're very right. They call that low time preference versus high time preference. Um, if you have low time preference, you think for your future. Mm-hmm. If you have high, I believe I sometimes screw this up. Um, one of these two ways but if you have high time preference you're thinking about like today 
Mm. And so like, what's the point of keeping this 50 grand in the bank when it's going to be worth 25 grand next year? I might as well go buy a car. Well, so what I'm wondering then, like what it comes to different types of inflation with that and like this incentive or disincentive or whatever of spending or saving, like how does that relate then to like what you talked about with asset inflation? What do you mean? So like asset inflation is like when your financial goods in the economy, like houses, stocks, Mm -hmm. like that stuff, uh, because people are disincentivized from holding those things mm-hmm. like holding the money or holding that the the money would normally be saved flows into the assets yeah it becomes it becomes a game of risk taking well because then it's like the money the worth of that would probably grow faster than the economy right in terms of i'm sorry which way are you asking like if you buy a house or an asset yeah if you if you bought a house yeah what what's happening is when you can't save for your future because it it doesn't hold its value you're being forced to make a decision mm-hmm. of either buying something for today with 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 which is what like most of us do which is buy a car and buy some snowmobiles and buy whatever to make our time happy the little bit about time we can get out of our 10 hour work day right yeah. or risking that money mm-hmm. in high risk assets yeah Right. And so buying a house doesn't guarantee profit. It doesn't even guarantee you're going to you're going to have the same amount of money in 10 years because who knows? There could be a crash. Um, Your town can fall apart. Uh Right. The water in the lake that you bought your lake. Lake Michigan is a great example. Lake Michigan along the coast of Michigan, the winter water is rising so high that it's degrading the shore and the shores are usually 20 30 feet high Mm. and people's houses are literally falling into lake michigan right now Um, but a lake michigan house would be worth 600 to a mil all the erosion all the erosion Mm. is taking the earth down and now those people who who bought that house now obviously a house is a very sound asset but that that's the risk you have to take you can't just put it into your bank account Mm -hmm. and gain three to five percent over a year Mm -hmm. and know that it's there it's a super low risk thing so what we're having to do as humans is basically hop on what's called robin hood and just take random stabs at things like gamestop Mm. and hope we get rich off of that because we just ruin the lives of hedge we cannot keep up yeah people are pissed it's like the new new uh occupy wall street people are pissed and there's no way to keep up with it you either spend it and have fun or you take super risky shots the problem is we as regular people take a risky shot lose our 10 grand no one's there to back us up and we're screwed big companies get bailed out by taking all this risk because they don't care no and that's their job it doesn't matter because they'll just get richer anyway and they'll get bailed out if they do something wrong because they'll say we can't lose all the jobs because people have these jobs or we can't lose all this money because we promised it to all these other people so basically the question you're asking is is why does low time preference and high time preference matter and why having a sound money mm-hmm. that doesn't lose its value over time forces us to make decisions as people who aren't taught in school what half of this shit is, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's, it's, it's a, it's a difficult game. It's a very hard game that we're put in. Yeah, that's true. I've heard, I mean, it's funny that you bring up the whole GameStop thing because I've heard so many Either people my age or even a little bit younger or even like some high schoolers or college students who are like, I want to learn this, this stuff. Like, I want to learn this in school because it's like I had to learn like all the sides of a triangle and like how to graph and solve for X. But what I would really like to know is how to invest my money and how to have a budget and how to like, that's the stuff that I want to learn in math. I don't want to learn how to like subtract integers and balance fractions and whatever the hell like i would like to actually be able to do something that in turn will be useful in my future i mean there's a reason it's not taught i can't tell you why i don't exactly know what people and who they have enough power to decide that this well, stuff shouldn't be when taught. you have a public school uh being run by the government there's probably things in the curriculum that they think are way more important I, than it's a fun question right stuff. people have conspiracy theories and it's not uh, it's yeah. left out on purpose, so we, you know, people, ignorant people can't, can't yeah, fight back. oppressed. Oppressors. I, it's just, I just don't, I don't know. It's like, it just seems like there must be an incentive that they don't realize 
out there that's causing them to to look this way because everyone wants everyone to do well it's weird to think that we don't but the game that we're in remember this is this is this is the point it's it's a feature it's not a bug that's what people in the bitcoin land say this the, keeping people down and lifting other people up is a feature not a bug it's a bug a bug meaning like you should look at this inflation as a problem yeah but it's actually built into the system on purpose uh, yeah well I, mm, yeah <laughs> uh, it's built into the system as a covert theft of time I like that you're relating it to time. I think that's awesome. I well, think. I think that's what you, I don't know, at least if you got to think about, so that's one thing that this book has made me think about is like, what, what do you value? Yeah. So when we're talking about money, like it's really easy to get wrapped up in the, the drama and the stress of, of financial things and money and money is, is scary. It's a scary thing. It's stressful. I am one to attest that I do not like money. I've said that before. I feel like we've had many conversations where I said that outright and you're like, Mm, you just haven't been taught enough to understand it. And that's part of the reason why a lot of people don't, like you're saying, like don't take steps to understand it because it's so overwhelming. Yeah. And so this book has kind of made me step back in a way where I am more so looking at this in a sense of like values. It's, like what are the values and what is something, well, not even just the values, like but more morality in a way where you're like, okay, well, I have, go to a job every day and I work these hours and for what? Like, why am I doing it? Because I'm, I love it. For me, I can say yes. And I'm lucky because I have a job that I actually love now. I couldn't say that in other jobs that I've had as a teacher because I was not in good environments, but now I'm in a place where I could say, I go to a place for seven, eight, whatever hours a day and I enjoy what I do. Is it stressful? Yeah. Do I complain? Yeah. But ultimately I know that the time that I'm spending is being valued and I feel valuable that's good which is good because if I didn't then I I would be having a theft of my time this it would be a theft of my time in the sense that I would be getting money for basically like having my time taken you're still having you're still having theft of your time I am still having a theft of my time because I am still having essentially a theft of my money but that's because of the government not because of my job so you're in the minority (laughs) yeah I agree and you're in the minority of people who probably enjoy that I I truly wonder what amount of people actually enjoy the work that they do even Mm -hmm. people with very nice jobs Mm -hmm. probably still hate the work that they're doing well but then that goes that goes to question you in a sense of like then what are you really valuing are you valuing the money that your job makes you are you actually valuing the time that you spend working yeah are you valuing your work are you valuing the money I do love this and then it's kind of like what do you care about the most right yeah, I, and, and where to spend your money too? Like me and you right, talk about that. Right, because when you spend where you spend your money is also essentially where you spend your time. Like sometimes you're worried about buying organic food, and I say, what are our values? We believe in healthy lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. And so spending more money on your healthy lifestyle mm-hmm. should come naturally. I believe in learning and reading, so buying a book, I never even think about it, right? right. But then I don't do other things. You know, I, I don't know. I won't buy. <laughs> what don't I? I'm not like frivolous with computers, toys. Things like that that just don't yeah, fit you, into my stuff. Yeah, you've purchases that are just kind of like things that's not... I feel like you're very much into like necessities. I am a very yeah. simplified necessity lifestyle. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's also because you just don't like stuff. You don't like having a lot of stuff. Partly, but I, I, I believe, <laughs> as weird as this sounds, like Bitcoin has taught me to value uh, time mm-hmm. with myself and mm-hmm. the things that I buy and, and, totally. and think about the future. I more, agree with more that. More than thinking about... Just what's fun today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree with that 100%. Time is, that's something that they talk about. I, like, I mean, the end of, of chapter three, they say, or not the end, but close to the end, they say about this idea of, like, time. And, uh, I mean, they're obviously talking in, in reference to inflation, but they're saying, like, inflation is a covert theft of our time. It punishes those who work hard and save. Instead of seeing their wealth grow and yeah. enjoying it or yeah. putting it into good use in the future, years go by and the time spent on their work reduces in value with yeah. inflation. When your money is stolen, your labor is stolen. When your labor is stolen, your time is stolen. And when your time is stolen, your life is stolen. Wow. So the stealing of life is what we call slavery. Ooh. And and this kind of worship of money is what puts you into that place. Yeah, we're basically, what do they call it, chasing the dragon's tail? Yeah. You'll never get to the spot that you want to be. Yeah, it's, it's like just... a, a snake, was it a snake eating its tail? Like, it's just a cyclical loop. Of, of, like, negativity. Bad. I mean, that was a great, I mean, we could have summed up my last little 15 minutes of talking in that last, that last mm-hmm. thing you just said. It's like, we should yeah. almost repeat that. That was great. Yeah. 
as uh, in their conclusion, they also said what you said too. Like we're taught that price increases are good for the economy. Um, yeah. Like that, it's that it, it's it, the Federal Reserve calls that like a prime directive of like stable prices when when they're increasing. That's good. And it's defined by a two percent increase per year. That's like that's stable. That, you know, to be really honest, that was when I learned that or I guess put it together. Right. It was probably before all these mm-hmm. all, so many people talked about it. Mm-hmm. When I finally put it together and learned it or read it somewhere, I for the longest time and I, you know, in, in computers and technology, I was, everyone does well and isn't happy. And like, mm-hmm. I'm someone who kind of notices all that kind of like, I look at the what's going on and why people aren't a certain way and what they're doing day to day. And I'm like, what is wrong? Mm-hmm. Like for the longest time I was, and then that, this inflation, the statement of what you just stated about stealing life and time, what was the last piece you just said right there was? Uh, the last part about we're taught that price increases are good and, for the economy. Yep, and and being and and being able to realize that the environment that we're in, where we where we believe inflation and buying a house and waiting forever mm-hmm. is correct, just seemed wrong. Mm-hmm. And I totally and, and it, that changed. That just made me dogmatic, mm-hmm. Bitcoin maximalist, like mm-hmm. hardcore. Well, like, right. I mean, you think about like all, like the government and the economic experts like people who are running our economy essentially uh want us to spend more money right like they want us to plan less for the future that says in the book plan less for the future and spend more now so adding more money to the supply doesn't add value to the community it only redistributes the value that already exists and paying those closer to the government first because jobs 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 that's and that's the other thing everything everything's about jobs and that's like what i always talk about like our best engineers go to Facebook to figure out how to target ads at people. Mm-hmm. Like, what the hell? We could be doing such better stuff well, than that. It's funny that you say jobs, 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 because, like, think about the deeper meaning of that. Like, our, that's, like, something a lot of presidents have been like, we're bringing jobs back to America. People are unemployed. We need to give them jobs. And it's crazy because it's, like, <laughs> the jobs you're giving them are then, in turn, with all this inflation increasing, it's, like, not going to be sustainable <laughs> exactly. for the quality of life that you're building with this debasement of your monetary system where the prices are increasing and they can't afford yeah. with the money that you... And then we have all these discussions and 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 shouting matches about, uh, about minimum wage. Yeah. And it's like somebody's getting that job that you're saying is so... You have to have a job. You got to work. You got to work for your money. You got to, you know, earn it. And they're doing that the best way they can, some of them. Yeah. And it's just like, it's oh. never enough. It's well, crazy. No, now, now there's side hustling, mm-hmm. right? And and both people in the family have to work. Dual mm-hmm. incomes are becoming more important. It's like, mm-hmm. we're just becoming machines that like, not only is eight hours not enough, and not only is one income not enough, now you have to have both people working mm-hmm. while simultaneously having side jobs. The theft of time. We wonder why. Theft of time, theft of time. Theft of life. Yes. Okay. So. <laughs> I didn't know that question was the main. <laughs> I thought it was just like. Blink once if thought, you agree, Ben. I thought, I thought it was a rhetorical okay to yourself. <laughs> Wake up. Like, are you ready for this? <laughs> All right. Chapter four is next. And this is uh, one I thought was interesting. It was hard for me to get through this chapter because it was a little, a little dense because it's talking about uh, the problems with fiat money. And fiat money, to me, was hard to grasp uh, so when they talked about fiat money and like the history of what that is and what it means they talked about the word which literally means like by decree decree yeah. so like fiat money describes money that is forced by an authority like authority yeah uh it's not backed by anything except for faith in a government that is decreeing it and saying that it is yeah so it's money forced by authority backed by faith in a government that's saying, this is what the money is. And everybody says, yes, this is what the money is. Uh-huh. And so the big question I asked with this fiat money and understanding it is like, why do we value the U.S. dollar? If we are noticing these patterns and these trends in the absolute craziness that is USD with inflation, with a lot, all this craziness, um, why, why haven't we had like a fall of Rome yet where we're just like, poo on your U.S. dollar. Because <laughs> we're in it. 
I know. We're, it's in the crazy. Middle, we're in the middle of it, probably. I don't know, right? But the history, did it get into the history of how the it used to be a U.S. note and turned into a dollar at all when uh, we were going through it? Basically, basically what happened is during like World War II, mm-hmm. America started hoarding all the gold mm-hmm. in Fort Knox. Did it talk about this at all? I don't remember. And, and so at that point, we had all the gold. Um, and and everyone was on the gold standard. Yeah. And so pretty much everyone was, they weren't paying in gold. They had what was called like a U.S. note. I yeah, think. we talked about bank notes. And a bank note was basically this dollar will get you this much gold every damn time. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happens is when you get into a global environment and you start trading with other countries. Mm-hmm. You want to you want to have some sort of measurement, kind of getting back to inches and centimeters. Mm-hmm. And gold was that thing. And mm-hmm. we talked about inches and centimeters a couple episodes ago. And gold was that thing. And there was a um, I don't I don't remember the years on this. It was like 1940s when when something called the Bretton Woods was established, mm-hmm. which was basically it was a it was a it was a crazy great move by America. Mm-hmm. But every country then just decided that the U.S. dollar was pegged. To the gold, mm-hmm. and we had so much of it, we were able to help move it around. To the gold standard? To the gold. So the U.S. dollar was pegged to the gold, mm-hmm. and everyone then pegged their monetary worth to the U.S. dollar. Mm-hmm. But then what happened in 1971, which I always talk about. We talked about this before. Many times we talk mm-hmm. about how our salaries haven't gone up since 1991, but GDP has gone, I don't know, the mm-hmm. percentage, but a ton. Mm-hmm. And what happened is they broke a promise to the entire world, mm-hmm. pretty much because... We were people, people actually in like the 60s and 70s, people were like, wait, this is this is crazy. I should be able to bring my money back and get my gold because I think this dollar is worthless. Mm-hmm. And they said no to that. Mm-hmm. And then they basically cut ties of backing the U.S. note or dollar to the gold, to the gold standard. And then wow. it became basically all the currencies across mm-hmm. the country were, were floating with each other to figure out a stable price and everything was still based on the U.S. dollar. And countries have to hate us for that because like China and many other countries have tons of treasuries basically with America. They buy it in hopes that they get 3% or 6% because they're, they're getting our money. And we go ahead and just print a crap load of it because we have so much debt out there that we have to pay. Yeah. And when we print... When we print money, it makes the amount of debt less, right? Right, because inflation's lower for us. Mm-hmm. And so, at this point, we're we're in that nineteen forty to nineteen seventy period was when all these decisions were made to utilize the U.S. dollar because it was backed by gold, so it should always cost the same amount of money. And we decided to break that. And ever since, what's been happening is getting crazy. That's wild. Um, so just, it's, they stayed kind of the same, not all of that, because they already talked about that in, like, chapter two and stuff, but more so that people trust and believe in the value of the U.S. dollar because that's just, like, like what you said, what it's been trusted. So they talked about, like, the only difference between, like, somebody made up a currency, like, they said purple dollars, is that the (laughs) people, like, the difference between, like, a purple dollar and the U.S. dollar is that more people trust and believe that the U.S. dollars are valuable. Um... It has no other value outside of the current monetary system. Um, but if, like, somebody of uh, uh, the purple dollar family was, like, came into power and, like, no, now this is, like, ultimately, like, what needs to be the currency, like, it could threaten the USD. So one thing that they boiled down with this idea of fiat currency is that it's it's naturally something that fails, um, yeah. Fiat currencies fail naturally over time. There's been multiples of them. And mm-hmm. Every between 75 and 100 years, they failed. Uh-huh. And this kicked off in like 1930. Right. So we're towards that amount. So they they then go on to kind of question like why the government likes fiat money then if it's something that is essentially doomed to fail. And they actually brought up what you talked about, uh, the cotillion effect. Oh, cool. Uh, they brought up the benefit and like the incentivization of the fiat money is that the banks, private equity firms, hedge funds, large corporations will acquire more assets cheaply before prices increase. Yeah. Um, and then it reaches, and then we reach issues of like uh, hyperinflation. So prices of good rise. 
government prints more money, prices go up. Uh, this essentially hyperinflation will fail, but um, but essentially there there there's a benefit for them to use this fiat money because if they have control over it or the say, the decree of it, they can benefit off it in any way that they essentially want to. Pretty much, you you the he who controls the money controls the power, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's like, it actually is like the petrodollar that's so important. Like the oil, oil and energy kind of drive the world. Mm-hmm. And all the countries used the dollar as the standard. And that's what made it so imperative and important. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now countries are kind of moving away from that. Supposedly, this is all what's called macroeconomics that I don't have a great grasp for. And you have to be pretty in the depth of understanding all this stuff. But mm-hmm. um, the tides are changing. It's not all draconian. The world's hopefully not crazy gonna fall apart mm-hmm. uh, there'll be a transition they call that um hyperinflation yeah the bitcoin community calls it hyper bitcoinization mm, yeah meaning that there's people are going to see that this is it could be happening right now we do mm-hmm. not know could this could be a major transition of of money uh, going uh of right i now. wouldn't yeah i would not second guess it because it makes sense like that's one thing I'm noticing with this book as they're setting up this argument. Like, they, the way that they talk about money and then, like, what I know about Bitcoin of, like, this idea of trust in a system, this idea of trust in a monetary system, like, that's something that is dwindling in our monetary system, like, currently. And and the setup of the Bitcoin system is so unreliant on people, kind of, in a way. Um, besides like people who are believing in it, like mm-hmm. obviously, I mean, that's any, any currency or any monetary system needs people to believe in it or for it to be successful. But Bitcoin kind of is set up in a way where it's like, it's going to do its thing and it's going to like, it doesn't care what anyone says. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it does, it can't be manipulated nope. dishonestly. No, they did try to throw FUD that it was manipulated recently. It's funny. I agree. And that's what I think is, is. The interesting with what they're kind of talking about through this history of money and monetary systems, fiat money, inflation, like all this stuff that they're talking about and how it kind of turns you towards Bitcoin because that's all of this is kind of everything that Bitcoin is not. Yeah. And it's interesting. Um, yeah, for our generation, we, we've lived with the dollar forever. So it yeah. takes a while to break and realize that there's been other things. Well, and it's also like it's hard to understand like how how – since you've you've been so conditioned in this consumerism and this spending, mm-hmm, this, mm-hmm. like it's hard to think that this would fail. Like it totally, yeah. it's hard to think that like this is a fiat system, this is a fiat money, fiat monetary system that will eventually collapse. Like and then like they like you talked about earlier, like it's and it's happened to other places recently, like Venezuela. They write it here in the book. I said they were like, like. They said one study of 775 fiat currencies concluded that fiat currencies have an average lifespan of just 27 years. My brother, it's funny. My with brother. the shortest one being one month and the longest one <laughs> being the British pound, which has existed since 1697. Isn't that crazy? And the British pound was literally a pound of right. sterling. Well, and I mean, like, we even had a, a fiat collapse with uh, the revolutionary war yeah. and we were like poo poo on all the the english money we're going to make our own money and i think it goes back to the first chapter that talks about like what makes monetary money and cash valued meaning like divisibility transportability yeah. uh-huh. remember those few right. breakdowns yeah. and we as people what we forget is we as people decide yes um but with fiat it's been taught that just trust Because somebody decreed it. Yes. It's been it's decreed. Been some, somebody who has had control over it has told you uh-huh. this is how it's going to be. Uh-huh. And then, and so now I think what's happening, I think like all the, the turmoil going on in the world, like the, I, I know I hate bringing up the QAnons and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But they're, they, they're, they're mad, but they're pointed in the wrong area right now. And yeah. I think slowly they're starting, Dogecoin, GME, those type of things are starting to point people in the right direction. Right. Um, and the fact that 700 different fiats have already died out over the last, it's, and my brother talks about this a lot. It's like, he calls it amnesia. Yeah. It's just amnesia. It's like, you know, he, he has a great example and I can't remember what it's from, but it's like a guy who's super smart. Uh, about brain surgery uh-huh. reads an article in a newspaper and goes like this guy's a specialist number one person in the world reads someone else's article on brain surgery and goes none of that's factual mm-hmm. then turns the page 
and read something on finance, it goes, oh, that makes total sense. Mm-hmm. How reading the same paper that just produced an article that you knew to be wrong, when you turn the page, you have amnesia because it's something you don't specialize in. So you just believe it's probably true. Yeah, it's like blind faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's and that, yeah, so all and you're going through like the ebbs and flows, and I can see it in your face. Like all of a sudden, you're like, how could this be possible? And you're like, how have these failed and we're still doing it? And then you say to yourself, like, no, no, I got to be wrong. These people got to be wrong. Well, yeah, you always you always like want to give like people like what you said, you want to give people the benefit of the doubt that they're doing things in order to benefit the good of the whole. But uh, from the track record that we see of a lot of people in power or people with money is that people who have money want to make more money. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's the greed factor. Like, yeah. I, people talk about that. I just think, like, um, I don't think it's... I always hope that it's not meant to be malicious. It's just when you surround yourself with other people who have similar um, beliefs mm-hmm. that you just naturally do things to benefit oneself yeah. without meaning to because most of, the, most of the time you don't realize what you're doing to other people. No, or you, you're thinking that you're doing something that's helpful even though it might not be in the long run. I love when people ask super wealthy people like how much is a gallon of milk? And huh? they're like 18 bucks and they're like, oh my God, have you bought milk for yourself ever? No. It's like that kind of stuff that's funny. I don't... I, I know. I know we believe that they're against us and everyone's... It, it's a Well, battle, I don't think but... it needs to be an us against them mentality. I think it just needs to be a more of a me mentality. I feel... I, I, maybe that... I don't want it to sound selfish where it's like, only care about yourself, don't care about anybody else. But I really think, like, the only way that... It's it's that analogy I feel like I say all the time. Like, the only way to really benefit anybody is if you're benefiting yourself first. Like, no you cannot, one is going to bail you out. Right. Like, you cannot... It's like that analogy. Like you cannot save someone's life. Like you can, unless you put your own oxygen mask mask on first. You can't put somebody else's on because you're just gonna pass out and die. Like you gotta take care of yourself before you can take care of others. If you're constantly expending your time, yeah, you're ruining your worth. Yeah, it's, it's as tough. a human. I we want to believe that we're all in this together, but at the end of the day. You go home to yourself. You have to, yeah, you have to, you have to take care of yourself, mm-hmm. but you have to have the values. Like yeah. I, I will help anyone around me yeah. when needed. Same. Um, and I know the people who won't help back and I, I pick relentlessly who I hang with. Yep. When we're talking about fiat money, I feel like it's also important to also discuss this idea of faith in money of belief in monetary systems. Agreed. Because just because somebody is decreeing it don't mean it's right, boo. Like, just because somebody's saying this is how it's going to be doesn't mean you got to eat it up. Like, you don't have to believe it. Um, and that's when... Uh, so, in this chapter four... Chapter four is actually pretty quick in retrospect. Um, even though it was dense and hard for me to kind of get through. Um, it was pretty, pretty fast. But um, they talk about fiat collapse. So, like, new money is created by loans. Um, there's... This whole, like, they talked about the whole 2009 recession, this, like, too big to fail mentality with fiat money a lot of the time. It's like, we're so far in it, like what you said, where it's like, we're so far in it that it's like, it's too big to fail. Like, it's, it's... Mm-hmm. Now it's now it's kick the can down the road. Yeah. And every yeah. time we have to put way, way more money at it. Compared to 2008, it was only like a couple billion. Mm-hmm. Now we're in the trillions. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and it's they. So when they're talking about fiat money, they here's a few quotes that I highlighted. Like fiat money is immoral because it is only useful for reallocating wealth without mm-hmm. consent. Yeah, that's your taxation and yeah. without representation. It's and it's also the rich using it, like what you said, with your cantillion effect of like yeah. I'm gonna as it's inflating or as as I'm changing this money and manipulating and I'm doing it to benefit myself first, and as it trickles down, I don't care because it's not gonna affect me. Um, and then they says they I had another quote where fiat money inevitably collapses because it misaligns incentives and allocates power disproportionately, totally. creating an unstable system. So all these people who are manipulating the market and manipulating the money monetary system are benefiting, but then as it trickles down to workers or you know people down the line, they're not getting that benefit and they are noticing, obviously. So fiat money has many negative aspects. It has no real value. It has a short lifespan. It's easily manipulated, obviously, a lot of times for malice intent or bad intent and has um, ever present danger of hyperinflation, of collapsing, of dying and failing. Yeah. So it's it's not uh, substantial. It's not sustainable. Um and 
And, and right now, dear listeners, you're probably wondering, what do I do with my money? Well, you're probably like they they even says so like considering all of this, why doesn't or why don't governments stick with commodity backed money? Why don't they stick with things that are, um, you know, not a fiat money system? Like, are they ignoring thousands of years of evidence? Like, are they blind to all that's happened? Like, obviously, they're seeing other things like of the same exact type of system they, fail. They, why are they all abandoning? Like, why why did they abandon the gold standard? Like, are they stupid? It's like no, they're they're practical, they're self oriented, and they have. Close ties with banks. They made a decision. They made a decision that they thought would work for the situation in which they were in. Mm-hmm. And now, uh, this is my own thought process. But now that they're in it so deep mm-hmm. that there's only four possible ways to get out of it, which is like austerity, which is cutting the purses mm-hmm. and stopping spending on social things yep. like welfare and Oops. social security. Mm-hmm. But could you imagine if a president tried to win on that? Well, but not only that, but, like, it's just, like, it's almost impossible because, like, the only other way that you would be able to support those people out of those situations is by paying them more money. And you don't want to do that either. Well, paying them more money causes is the same effect. Yeah. In fact, like, I don't, like, I don't want to get into this kind of stuff, but, like, giving, increasing people's minimum payment. Minimum wage. Forces people, Mm -hmm. forces companies. Mm -hmm. To then increase the amounts of prof- of how much things cost, mm-hmm. which then st- still imp- – sure, sure, they're making $15 an hour now, mm-hmm. but the price of the burger from $2 to $4. Right. So how does that help? Yeah. It really doesn't. And I know it's – it's and that's part of the like thinking of the rabbit hole that kind of changes over time. It's, it's doing those type of social welfare things to help people that is causing the same problem. Mm-hmm. So they – before they get to the conclusion chapter where they talk about the breaking point in a fiat collapse. Um, so they've talked like a little bit about maybe our breaking point in our monetary system with our own fiat collapse. So like the total debt increases too fast and the sellers demand alternative money. Mm-hmm. So you reach a point of hyperinflation and then people hoard other value things like art, metals, property, mm-hmm. etc. And then you have a collapse of your your money. And you're seeing it. You're seeing, yeah. you're seeing the wealthy getting in other assets. You're seeing regular people buying GameStop and buying and buying gold and silver and trying mm-hmm. to do sorts. You're seeing it right now. Now, whether it happens or whether it doesn't, who knows? I, I really don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that it? Uh, yeah, I guess Good. essentially that's, I mean, the conclusion they kind of just talked about um, this, that the fiat system just has outrageous incentives for the people that are decreeing this, this money. Yeah. So you print some money, you lend out some money that doesn't exist, you take uh, these just crazy risks, you get bailed out when things go wrong, you borrow more, you just keep going. There's no incentive for governments and banks to change their behaviors because it's not their labor and time that's being stolen. There's a fun, um, we'll end on, on this, but there's a fun, uh, I don't know what you would say, but a little fun quip that people talk about that says these companies and the and everyone... I don't want to generalize, but they, what they do is they socialize risk, mm-hmm. right? They make these, um, these debt defaults, and these mortgage-backed securities mm-hmm. that kill us in two thousand eight. It's a negative feedback loop. They know it's super risky. Mm-hmm. They don't care. They socialize the risk, so when they get bailed out, we have to increase our taxes to pay to fix that stuff mm-hmm. because we need to keep the jobs, mm-hmm. right? Um, but then they privatize, privatize the winds. Yep. So we don't ever see when those super risky things make money. That never comes back to us. Nope. But all of a sudden, they know that they'll be backed up, and they don't want that it's little secret. They don't want that little secret getting out there. But it's out mm-hmm. there. And it, the internet, as much as I hate the internet, and as much as I think it's dirty, and as much as I think people go and build the incorrect stuff, mm-hmm. it is starting. To get information out, just like the printing press. Mm-hmm. People are starting to talk about things a little better. The GameStop and the Silver Squeeze and the yep. Reddit Wall Street Bet stuff is starting to be a piece of that puzzle. Mm-hmm. Whether I support it or not, I won't answer, right? But it, people are starting to learn. People are starting to get smarter than people realize they are. Mm-hmm. And there's a shift coming. <gasps> Winds of change. Can yeah. I read you this last paragraph of chapter four? I would love if you read to me before okay. I took a nap. <laughs> the long nap. <laughs> the long <laughs> The sleep. long night nap. Um, so here's the last paragraph of chapter four. I thought was actually pretty nice. Um, and I think you can notice some nuances of Bitcoin-ness in this. Um, but 
until the entire monetary system is transformed from one that is based on lies to one that is based on truth, we will not escape the negative feedback loop that fiat treats. No one teaches people this reality. Instead, we invent false paradigms like the too-big-to-fail narrative, which are designed to further perpetuate the illusion of an infallible economic system. All of this has a second-order effects in political realm, to which we now turn. In the next chapter, we'll be talking about money and politics. Mm. We've already kind of talked about it. I feel like I've started to dip my toes in it because I'm like, wow, the government is crazy with all the money things. And now we're going to dip even deeper into that because, I mean, obviously they... It's good. No, it's good. It's going to make sounds <laughs> the rest of it. Ah! A whole episode of you making noises? I'm in. <laughs> it's just going to be me like crawling out of my skin because it's just... Ugh. It's crazy. As somebody who essentially, I mean, when I worked in public schools, I essentially worked for the government. And understanding the government's control on things, at least I've had a taste of it with education. And let me tell you, that's a crazy circus. Yeah. We could talk about that for a whole other episode, but it has nothing to do with Bitcoin, so we won't. But well, we've I'm gone just, for a while. Oh, my God. So we'll sign off here and hopefully... Fiat money isn't more money because it, it's too easy to make. And then that's 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 tough. It's bad. The end. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if we can get through a few more chapters next time and and discuss what we'll do. Yeah, we'll see how long. Future stuff. Yeah, how Hopefully long chapter are... five and six and I, I don't remember how many chapters this book is. Yeah, we'll have to figure that out. I have to look at the. I have to go into my the beginning of my Kindle book here to try to find the table of contents. All right, everyone. I think Nicole has to do her sign off. I wonder if I should start saying this is for education purposes because who knows if we're not telling people to buy anything though. We're just kind of no. We're just talking about. I'm talking about a book that I'm reading. Don't step to me, Why people. Why did you just get sassed a little? Well, bit there. because it wasn't towards you. I don't feel like I need to apologize for anything and yeah, say but, like, "Oh, this is just for educational purposes." I'm just telling you about a book. Do you know that every podcast who talks about this stuff does that so they don't get sued? Relax. You wait till you get sued. Okay. Well, I don't want to get sued. So it's for education purposes. Well, obviously, we're not experts. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I'm just an art teacher. Right. I'm just reading a book. Sign off. <laughs> okay. Uh, what you know about bits? What you what you know? Just kidding. <laughs> what if the lip gloss song? Back lip? Oh, no. What if we had the lip gloss song, um, but it's just me saying what you know about bits as our our play in and play off. We need to time. make a lot of money on Bitcoin to buy the property rights to that song. That's true. I don't know if we. Well, okay. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our two sets. Take care. We'll see you next time. <laughs>